Well, I, when I uh, come to minister here and anywhere ever I go, my own church service meetings or anywhere uh, where I'm invited to preach, I never ever preach what I choose to preach. Never ever. Okay? Um, what I mean by that is that I always preach what God gives me. Okay? So I don't think, oh, I'd like to preach on this, or I'd like to preach in healing. Why don't I do it? And I hear people saying, other preachers, well, I was going to preach this message, but the Lord corrected me uh, and told me to preach this. Well, I find that a foreign thing because I don't choose what to preach. Okay? I wait until the Lord gives me some. And sometimes when you're stepping up to the pulpit, it's when he gives you it. Amen? I do have a default uh, that I say, if I don't get anything, um, I know what I'm going to preach. Uh, but I don't really normally ever have to use the default. And a lot of times, if I've not been given something to preach, I then find out, for whatever reason, I can't make the meeting. The meeting's cancelled or whatever. So, but sometimes the Lord does a sneaky thing with me. And a lot of times, he'll give me two messages. And I'm like, ah, what one, what one, what one? And then, at some point, he'll show me how the two messages merge and become one message. I think he just likes to play with us. Amen? You know, God's got a sense of humor. You wouldn't know it we're looking at some Christians' faces. Amen? But you actually, when you look at some Christians, you realize he's got a sense of humor. Amen? Um, but what, what he did with me, he's done this before, I think, because he gave me a message for today. Now, last week, as you know, I preached on accessing the John Knox mantle to take Scotland for Jesus. And I'm thinking, well, two or three weeks before glory comes, I'll just preach along those lines because there's a lot to it. Um, but he gave me this message. And I thought, okay, that's fine. Because when God gives I don't argue. I preach what God gives me. So I'm thinking, well, we can shelve the John Knox message, part two. Uh, and I'm just sharing this with you to show you sometimes how th this works. But then he showed me that the message he gave me was very much a continuation of accessing the John Knox mantle. Now, I want to say this before I, say, before I, I, I teach this. We sometimes have filters um, or ideas or concepts of things. And I think the John Knox thing, John Knox himself, we, we tend to have these ideas. Oh, oh, he was a very strict man, and, and he was. But we have this idea, John Knox, it's almost like there's a notoriety about him. You know, that we think uh, of him in certain ways. And a lot of that is programming by, uh, by other people. But what I want to say to you is this, is that we're not talking here about we're all going to start growing long beards and wearing big Geneva cloaks and be John Knox for our generation and you know start talking in these and those. When you talk about the John Knox mantle, people have that idea that we're all going to be stern. And Does that make sense? We're talking about ma mantles. Because Elisha received Elijah's mantle. 
But so did John Baptist. And the Elijah mantle is actually an end times mantle too that will restore the hearts of the children to the fathers and the fathers to the children. And also, Jesus says, it will bring the restoration of all things. I think that John Knox had a measure, a big, big measure of the Elijah mantle. So a mantle is not just that an individual's calling and anointing comes on you. A mantle is a place or a dimension in the Lord that we can access. The Lord showed me this with Nicola Sturgeon. I shared this once a long time ago. I think it was at Ice Scotland. That, and it's true for all prime ministers, first ministers, people in governmental positions, that God has an anointing for them if they will just walk in it, if they will submit to him. You know, even dictators like Stalin and Idi Amin, people like that, I believe God creates a dimension of authority for them that gives them godly authority and endorsement as leaders. I believe the Prime Minister of the UK has it. I believe the First Minister has it. Because God ordains the powers that be. Now, we might not like, we might say, well, see the last few First Ministers. They were all bams. They were all wretches. But that doesn't mean that there isn't an anointing that God has placed or set aside for a godly first minister to walk in. Does that make sense? So, and it's the same, I mean, that's talking about governmental, but we're talking here about um, the John Knox mantle being a mantle to take Scotland. In other words, what I believe God is, has set aside, and it's not for an individual. It's for whosoever will pay the price. We spoke about that last week, didn't we? That if we pay that price to be in that place, to position for that, then God will give us that mantle, which is a, a place in him. And it's very interesting, that word place, because that becomes, that word place is, I believe, the very essence of this message today. Okay, there's a place. There's a place in him that we can dwell in, abide in, we can inhabit and walk in and function from. But if you're not in that place, all you'll ever do is look at it from a distance and say, oh boy, I wish I was there. And I think a lot of our experience as believers has been from that vantage point of looking at something, oh my, oh, if only. And I'm here today, I believe, by the Spirit of God to say, if only is something you need to junk as a concept and say, no, not if only, most definitely. So turn with me to First John chapter 4. I'll give you what the Lord gave me, and I'll show you, I'll show you how it ties in with the John Knox mantle. The John Knox mantle has massive ramifications and a lot to it. What did John Knox Walking, and as I said, we have these filters that we understand it, and and oh, you know, strict Calvinist, and no, no, no. But that wasn't necessarily doesn't define where he walked in. That we can walk in is what I mean. Oh, we'll have to become Calvinists. We'll have to do this. We'll have to do that. Like I said, we'll have to grow long beards where we 
hats and uh, Geneva gowns. Amen. Well, God's not asking you and I to be 16th century Christians. The John Knox mantle isn't about that. Well, we'll have to get up, because let me just say this. John Knox predated the King James. John Knox, I believe, used the Geneva Bible. It hands up if you've got a Geneva Bible. I have. But I'm not going to be whipping it out. It's, oh, well, you can buy a Geneva Bible or you're not welcome at the gathering. Sometimes we have those ideas that to walk in what other people have walked in previously, we've actually got to almost go back in time. Yeah? And that's not, what, what, not at all what we're talking about. Now look what it says here, First John chapter 4. We could read into it, but for the sake of time, we'll start at verse 17. Herein is our love made perfect. Or in this way our love is made perfect. This is talking about love. John was the apostle of love. Okay? So he spoke about love. He, he just after saying here, God is love. Verse 8. If you don't know, if you love not, you don't know God because God is love. So here he's saying here, herein is a love made perfect. Who wants their love made perfect? In other words, who wants to walk in perfect love? That word perfect is the, is the Greek word. The Greek means completely complete, perfect, fully furnished, maturity. Okay? Who would like to walk in love that's fully developed? Okay? He, herein or in this way, our love is fully developed. Perfect love. That we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Oh, wow. Who's looking forward to the day of judgment with boldness? I can't wait to get there and look God straight. In. Come on. Who's doing that? Or who's in fear and trembling? Now, it's right to fear God. Because it's the only legitimate fear. In fact, if you fear God, you, you won't truly fear God, you won't fear anything else. Amen. Amen? You need to trade your fears for the true fear, which is a fear of God. And you're commanded to fear Him. But there can be a boldness about it. And Aunt Lament says here the Day of Judgment, I don't believe it's just talking about the Judgment Day that we, we stand before the Lord. I believe... What it means is, there's another meaning to it, which means that you would be um, bold in a place of testing. Does that make sense? You see, you can judgment can come upon the earth. We can get through periods of judgment. There can be judgment in the nation that God has judged the nation. But we can be bold in the midst of that because we are the remnant. So yes, I believe there's a, a day of judgment where we'll all stand before the throne and give account. But I also believe he's talking about, in other words, if you're ever called before God for testing or judgment or appraisal, you can be bold. You know, people have work appraisals, don't they? You're due one. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> but you can say, well, I'll be bold in my day of appraisal because... Amen? Because my love is made perfect. I'm walking in perfect love. Then it says, and this is, this is mind-blowing, and I want to say this, this verse, I've found this, and I'm talking preachers. I'm talking renowned preachers. 
This triggers them. This triggers religious devils all over the place. This verse, trust me. If you ever want to find out someone's got a religious devil, quote this verse to them and see them kick off. I'm not kidding. Because as he is, so are we in this world. Now that, that just kicks religion right down the street, doesn't it? Oh, we cannot be like him. Oh, we cannot be like him. For we are most unworthy. We are worms of the dust. And he is the Holy One. As he is, so are we. Hallelujah. That's identity. See, everything is identity. Amen. Everything comes from identity. What you believe and who you believe yourself, it's not about who he is. Amen? Because we know who he is. Oh, he is holy, holy, holy. He is, we know all that. Your effectiveness as a Christian or as a believer is not based on who God is. It's based on who you conceive or perceive God to be, sorry. You perceive him to be. Your effectiveness as a Christian is based on who you perceive yourself to be. Amen? Amen? If you see yourself as a wretch, a, a sinner saved by grace, just an old worm of the dust, if that's how you see yourself, you'll never walk in authority. You'll never walk in a John Knox mantle. Amen? Oh, but you don't know what I've done. You don't know the thoughts that get through my mind. You don't know how wretched. Now, yes, I do. But that saved a wretch like me is past tense. Okay? The minute you get born again, the old man, the old wretch, the old cur, the old dog that you were was left on the cross. Amen? And you walked. Because if you're still a wretch and you're still a sinner, you need to be born again. That's the whole point of born again. means I was a sinner and I got born again. Or I'm a sinner and I need to be born again. But once you're born again, the old, the old man is crucified. He's not called the old man for no reason. And we need to walk in our new man identity. As he is, so are we. I've seen that verse trigger guys, I'm telling you. They don't like it. And you know what? You actually have to say to some people, that's in the Bible. Because it's news to them. I don't know why they maybe never read First John or the, the religious devils just cause them to glide over that. But this is God's word. As he is, so are we in this world. That's not saying that you and I are divine, we are the creators, and, you know, that we're all God. And we're not being new agey or occultic or... We're not saying that. What it's saying is, is that in redemption and salvation... He has brought us to a place where we're already like him in our spirit man. But all we need to do is renew our mind because your mind isn't renewed. Does that make sense? But in that realm, as he is, so are we. But we're in this world. 
what it really means is that old thing about Christ likeness. In other words, the only Jesus some people ever meet is you. Does that make sense? Um, but look what it says. There is no fear in love, verse 18, but perfect love casts out fear. Perfect love casteth out fear. Because fear is torment. He that fears is not made perfect in love. I wish I had time, I don't have time, to teach how fear is at the root of every problem we have. Fear is the foothold of the devil. You see, when the, the, I'm going to start teaching, even though I don't want to, because I don't want to get into it too deep. When the devil, when the serpent came to Eve, when the serpent came to Eve, she said, we can't eat one fruit. Can you have another fruit? But we can't eat that fruit. And the serpent says, hmm, that's interesting, because if you ate that fruit, you'd be more like God. He doesn't want you to eat it because he doesn't want you to be like him. What was the seed that the devil planted in Eve? Fear of lack. Fear that she was missing something. Fear of missing out. Amen? You see, lack, she didn't lack. Her and Adam, Eve and Adam, they didn't lack. They were already like God. They lacked nothing. To be like God. They were already clones of God in the physical realm and have perfect natures. They were perfect. But the Lord said, Well, you can't eat that fruit. That's not lack. That's just, don't eat that. But the devil told her a lie and she was deceived. Adam wasn't. Amen? See, that really means that. The men knew and the women didn't. Amen. <laughs> Fear of lack. Fear of lack. Fear of something missing. And there was nothing missing. So fear is the root of lust. Because Eve then lusted after that fruit. Didn't it? Didn't she? Oh, I must have it. But it was based on a lie, and it was because she had already received the seed of fear. You know, I'm missing out on something here. I'm scared about that. that, that you know, I, I, don't want to, I don't want to miss out. Anyway, that, that, that's a whole message in itself. But what I want to show you here is there's no fear in love because love is the opposite of lust. Amen? Perfect love casts out fear. In other words, the only foothold the devil can have in your life is if you're scared. Remember Job says, the thing that I greatly feared came upon me. Every, every part of Job's problem came because he was in fear. He got into a fearful state. Oh, what if my kids, oh, 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 I need to make a sacrifice. You see, when you do things that are even good, he made a sacrifice every day for his children. Even things, well, that's a good thing, that's a good thing, that's a good thing. Not if the motive is fear. If fear is at the root, whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Now, why am I teaching this? Here's why, because this is what the Lord said to show me how this is 
accessing the John Knox mantle. What's the one thing we know about John Knox? The thing that's famous about him. In fact, there's a book about him called, uh, John Knox called Fearless Faith. The thing that we're told about John Knox is he feared the face of no man. He was fearless. He was a man without fear. And he even said himself, I've never feared a devil. Can you and I say that? Can you and I? We don't, there's nothing that the devil has that we fear. You see, if you want to access what John Knox walked in, you have to have the same mindset. You have to be in that same dimension he walked in. And he said himself, and it was said of him, so many people, he doesn't fear. He has no fear. But John Knox said, he said, I don't fear any devil. I've never feared the devil. He says, but every time I go into the pulpit, I tremble. What was he saying? He was saying, he was saying, I don't fear the devil. I don't fear man. I will not fear what man can do to me. But I fear the Lord. Hallelujah. He had swapped every fear but the fear of God. And the Lord said to me, to access the John Knox mantle, to walk in it, you have to deal with fear. And this tells me something about John Knox that most people wouldn't say about him. But if you actually go and read his story, you'll see it's, it's all over it. There is no fear. Perfect love casts out fear. In other words, if you find somebody who's fearless, who fears no man, fears no devil, fears no calamity, but walks fearlessly, that person has perfect love. Perfect love for God first, and you could even say for man. You see, John Knox, as I said to you before, the last 10 years when the Reformation, when, when, he, when he stepped off the boat, there were very few, just a small band. But within 10 years, John Knox himself said, God reigned men upon us. There was a mighty revival. Many, many came to faith. And I believe it's because he walked in perfect love and had no fear. The devil cannot affect you. If you, don't have, if you don't fear him or you don't fear man. The fear of man brings a snare. And the Bible says that the fear of death brings men under bondage or captivity. John Knox didn't have that. So to access that level, that realm, that mantle, that dimension of nation-taking, we cannot have fear. There's a place. Amen? And we just sang about it in that, that, that chorus. Come bless the Lord, all ye servants of the Lord. Standing in the holy place. There's a place. There's a place that God wants you and I to walk in. A dimension of authority. A dimension where there is no fear. A dimension where it's only perfect love. A dimension where we, we access the realm of impossibilities. Impossible with men, but possible with God. 
Now don't tell me John Knox didn't walk in that. He took a nation. There's a realm where that Elijah anointing, mantle, dimension of power. You just think about Elijah and his encounter with the prophets of Baal. We think, oh, what a, what a wonderful miracle. They couldn't get as much as a spark to light the sacrifice that they had. But Elijah said, well, where's your God? Is he in holiday? Didn't he? Has he, has he? has he gone away for a while? He mocked them. Then he said, let's, let's make this difficult. Pour, a, pour water over everyone. Fill the trenches. Water everywhere. Everyone was soaked. How do you like something that's absolutely soaked and is in massive pools of water? But he called down fire from heaven. And it burned up. And it actually said it burnt up all the water. Oh, what a miracle. Oh, I wish I could have seen that. I'll tell you a greater miracle than that. He lined up the 450 prophets of Baal and slew them one by one. What's the miracle? They all stood there. They all stood there to receive it. Because they were so scared to move. That's, I'm talking about dimensions of power. I'm talking about realms of authority that God wants us to walk in. Now, um, just a few things to talk about that, which I think is important. Let's turn to um, Psalm, Psalm 23. What I believe the Lord is saying to us today is this. To access the dimension of authority that will take Scotland for Jesus, we need to be people who deal with fear. To the extent, now I'm not, going to, I'm not saying, well, just pray a simple prayer and every fear will be gone. I'm not saying that. I'm saying we're talking about accessing realms. So dealing with fear is going to be different for every one of us in the sense that some have more fear to deal with than others. Yeah? But I will say this, every single issue and problem you have in your life, the root of it is fear. Because if you, when, when Jesus said, the wicked one comes and has nothing in me. You see, if the devil doesn't have a foothold, how can he do anything? When I had my encounter uh, years ago, where the devil came into my bedroom and I came out of my body, and I'm in, I'm in the spirit realm, and the devil's there. And, you know, the one thing that you, if you said to me, what's the defining aspect of the devil when you're in his presence? Fear. Fear came off him in sheets. Just, it was like pouring out fear. And let me just say this, that's his nature. I believe the devil is a terrified creature. Because he knows his time is short. He knows his destiny. He knows his eternity. 
And so, because he's scared, that's all he can give you. He can't give you faith. He can't give you love. He can't give you hope. He can't give you mercy. He can't give you anything that God can give you. All he can give you is his fear. That's his nature. So I'm just feeling this fear. But he wants you to fear him. And it was so strong, I fell on the ground. And then, I, I, and I knew he'd come to claim me. Uh, and then I'm, I'm saying, and I turn around and there's my angel. Standing. Just looking. And I don't think I said it to him, but I know I thought it. But I might have said it to him, why aren't you helping? I'm going, why is he not helping? My angel's here. This is the devil. Why? why, why? And I'm, I'm on my knees in the dust. But I'm in my bedroom. Okay, my bed's there, but I'm in the dust. If my mom had seen that amount of dust, she'd have freaked. <laughs> I'm talking dust because the spirit realm coexists with our realm. And, and I see that I'm in the dust. And I, and I look at, and my, I turn around, and my angel's standing. And I don't know if he heard my thoughts or I said to him, I don't know, but he went like that. Never even spoke, he pointed. And so I turned around to see what he's pointing at. And there in the dust, under the dust, was this gleaming sword. Gleaming in the dust. So I grabbed the sword. And the minute I grabbed the sword, all fear left. I was a berserker. Those of you who know what a berserker is, a Viking warrior that just has no fear. Hallelujah. So I'm jumping up and I, and I ran at the devil. And I'm slashing the sword, and he took off. And I'm standing there with the sword, and then just went back into my body. Fear is the only weapon he has. But this was the greater weapon. Amen? This isn't just a book about faith. It's a, it is a book of perfect love. And it casts out fear. Psalm 23. Yahweh is my shepherd, I shall not want. Now I could preach in that. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not lack. See, we think something has to happen for lack to go from our lives. Well, you don't know. I've got a bill that I can't pay. I'm needing this, I'm needing that, I'm needing, I'm needing a new hip, I'm needing this. We, we function from a place of consciousness of lack. We function from a place. Okay? But God wants us to function from a different place. Okay? And, and it, you see, you're experience is one place your experience on earth is at one place but there's another place and it's a place called your portion your portion and your experience are not the same thing you may experience things that you go through you're going through them but that isn't your portion. You may experience lack financially. You may experience ill health. 
you may experience all different kinds of things, but that's not your portion. The Lord is your shepherd, you shall not lack, does not mean, well, shall not lack means one day in the future, oh yes, amen, oh you're in the glory realm, I'll have a mansion over the hilltop. That's not what he's talking about. Every spiritual blessing in heavenly what? Places in Christ is yours right now. That's your portion. And the Christian life, the challenge, the assignment, the task of being a believer, of being a follower of Jesus is this. How do you get your portion to triumph over your experience? Because you're already in that place where you do not lack. You're already in that place. Every spiritual blessing in heavenly places, what does it say? We're seated with him in heavenly places in Christ. <coughs> you're, you're seated with him. And where? Heavenly places. There's that word, pla there's a place. Now, if you say, oh, you have no idea, the devil's kicked me up. You people, oh, the devil's beat me up this week. Well, you must have got out of your place then. Because you're far above all principality and power when you're in your heavenly place. You must have jumped off it. And living from your experience, not your portion. See, that's what I'm talking about, John Knox. I think John Knox accessed a place in God that says, give me Scotland or I die, and God said, there it is, and he went, that's it. I don't care what I have to go through, it's my experience, I'm going to live from my portion. <coughs> you can't take a nation if you're functioning all the time from what you're going through. What, look what it says here, verse 4. Ye, well, verse 2, he makes you to lie down in green pastures, he leaves me beside the still waters. Well, where are the green pastures and beside the still waters? Well, you know what? That's just, sometimes we experience it. Sometimes it's peaceful. Sometimes it's not. No. He leads you beside still waters. He makes you lie down in green pastures. In other words, there's a place that's green pastures and still waters, but you have to choose to live there. Oh, but you've no idea what I'm going through. I do. You know, I, I, I didn't arrive here 10 minutes ago. We all get through stuff. And verse 4 covers it. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. You ever been in a valley of the shadow of death? I have. Amen? You may have been through it in, in your physical body as, as an illness. You might have been through it as a loved one went through it. Because let me tell you, if a loved one's going through the shadow of death, you're going through it with them. It might just have been, oh, you've no idea, I had a terrible trial that lasted six months, whatever it is. But you walk through it, you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death. And let me just say this, the shadow of a dog never bit anyone. Shadows don't bite. They're only Shadows. But look at the response of David, the psalmist. Yea, though I walk through it, I will not fear any evil. 
I will fear no evil. What, what did John Knox go through? Perils. Fear of his life. Trials. He was a galley slave. You and I might have given up. But he didn't. I will fear no evil. Even if I'm walking through what looks like evil all around me, there's a shadow, it's a horrible place. I will fear no evil. See, I will be fearless. Why? Because you're with me. You're rolling your staff to comfort. You prepare a table before me. Verse 6, I will dwell in the house of Yahweh. I will dwell in a place. I will dwell there. I'll live there. I'll inhabit that. I won't come off it. I'll dwell in it forever. Even while I'm walking through the valley of shadow of death, I'll, still, I'll be dwelling in that house. And I'll be walking through the, 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 the valley of the shadow of death whistling because you don't know it. I'm in the house of the Lord forever. I'm in the house of Yahweh forever, forever. Oh, but what about that, all that valley? It's only a shadow. I will fear no evil. I will fear no evil means I choose not to fear. Let me just say this to you. Fearlessness it ain't ever going to drop on your head like a cherry off a tree. You have to will it. You have to have, you have, to have grit and guts. Psalm 91. The Lord gave me these scriptures. But, but then he showed me, this is what John Knox walked in. Okay, let me just say, how, how are you ever going to take a nation if you have fear in your heart? David was fearless, wasn't he? There's this, this giant. Did you know J David took five stones? Five stones in his pouch. Or he picked five stones when he went to face Goliath. Now, you might think in the natural, he's thinking, well, you know what, I'm, going to, I'm, I'm loaded for bear here. I might miss, or I might just glance it off his napper, or, or the first four might not work. That's not why he took five stones. If you read the rest of the Bible, uh, the Old Testament, you'll find that um, Goliath had four brothers. In a nutshell, they're mentioned in other parts of the, of the, the history books. Goliath had four brothers. Now David's maybe thinking to himself, "I don't know if the brothers are there, but I'll but I'll be ready if they are." Mm -hmm. Now let me just—if he loaded those other four stones by the four brothers, that says David's faith levels were off. The charts. We think, oh, the fearlessness, the boldness, the courage to face a giant. But if he went expecting to face five, and who who took a nation? David. Amen. Because he didn't have fear of the enemy or fear of the devil, but he feared the Lord. Psalm ninety-one. He that dwells in the secret place. He that dwells in the secret what? Place. There's a place. There's a place. See, I believe the Lord's saying to us today, you want to take Scotland, there's a place you must enter. 
There's a place you must dwell in. There's a place you must function from. There's a place you must inhabit. You cannot step out of that place because you can't take a nation unless you're in that place. It's a place where there's no fear. It's a dimension where you won't fear in the devil's got or in man's got or anything the SNP have got or anything the media's got or anything any of these people have got. You will not fear. There's a place. Now, you might not be in that place consciously, but it's still there. Every spiritual blessing in heavenly places, heavenly places in Christ is yours, but not everybody's walking in that, are they? Why not? Because they're not conscious of, that, of those heavenly places or the blessings in those places. There's a place where you're conscious. And that's what this psalm's talking about. Impervious to all harm in every realm of life. You might say, well, I read that psalm, but, but this happened and that happened. Let me just say this to you. There's a place of consciousness. But if you step out of that place and start seeing the lack, start seeing the problems, start seeing the obstacles, start seeing the mountains in front of you, you'll start to fear. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High, El Elyon, shall remain, shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. El Shaddai. How do you get to that place? I will say of the Lord, I will say of Yahweh, He is my refuge, my fortress, my God, and Him will I trust. If you're not saying that, you won't dwell in it. If you're saying something, why do all these bad things happen to me? We all say that. I'm not mocking. But when we say that, you're inviting bad things. You're not saying, I will say of Yahweh, I will say of Jesus, He is my refuge. Because let me just say this to you. When you say it, that's when it becomes manifest and real around you. And when you say the opposite, that's when you pull down the walls. That's when you destroy the fortress, which is the place that God has for us to walk in and dwell in. Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. Let's just talk about the pestilence, which means plague. Ah, well, you know, let me just tell you, every time that flu comes around, I'm the first to get it. See, when that COVID, oh my goodness, I'll be, I'll tell you right now, that woman sneezed on me and asked her, and I'm telling you, I know I'll be in my bed the Friday. Because it happened last time. Some Egypt coughed on me. No. Surely he shall deliver me from coughing women and Asda and sneezers. <laughs> Amen. The Lord has delivered me from sneezers. Hallelujah. Surely he has. See, we don't talk to you. Oh, you talk like you're mad. Well, it's only mad folk that take nations. Amen. Was John Knox mad? Most assuredly. To the natural man. 
but to the Lord. Was David mad? David acted the madman. You have to be a wee bit crazy to take a nation. But crazy the right way. Because God's wisdom is foolishness to the world. So God's foolishness is really wisdom then. Amen. Paul says, I'm a fool for Christ. I'm nuts for Jesus. Why? Because I believe this book. That makes you nuts in the eyes of the world. When you say, surely, oh, cough all over me. Because surely he shall deliver me. Amen. He shall cover you with his feathers. And under his wings shall you trust. There's a place under his wings. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. Look at this, verse 5. Look at this. This is the John Knox realm, folks. You shall not be afraid. You shall not be afraid. When you dwell in that place, you shall not be afraid. What place? The place where no fear enters. You shall not be afraid. You shall not be afraid. Where? In that place. For the terror by night. Who's, who wakes up terrified in the middle of the night? Some folks do. I guess it depends who's in the bed beside you. <laughs> Couldn't resist it, sorry. You shall not be afraid for the terror by night. Somebody's snoring beside you. I used to wake up in my mum and dad's house and I'd hear this noise. I'd hear this. I'd be lying in my bed and I'd go, and all you'd hear is, Arrgh. it was my mum. Not every night, but she would get in, she'd get into this place of snow and we would all, we would all be terrified. Because it, it was, anyway. <laughs> The terror, but so I know what I'm talking about this verse. But, but what he's talking about is you wake up midnight and you start worrying. Look at the state of the world. Look at this, look at that. But how, how are we going to cope with that? Am I right? The terror by night. Nor for the arrow that flies by day. In other words, just the, the things that come at you during the day. Nor for the pestilence that walks in darkness. In other words, plagues. Diseases, viruses that are invisible. That's what it means to be walking in darkness. You can't see them. You're walking along the next thing, you're in your back in bed, you've, you've got a bug, you've got a flu or whatever else. But it says you'll not be afraid of that. Nor for the destruction that wastes at noonday. I remember reading this a, a, a long time ago. It's always stuck with me. Apparently, and if you go and check... Uh, statistics of traffic accidents or things that happened, you know, car crashes and calamities and things that happen. Most of them happen round about midday. They can't explain it. The police don't, they can't explain it. The actuaries and insurance people, they can't explain why. But, you know, that was in God's word all those years ago. There's something about noonday that a lot of these things happen. Um, and the psalmist here, or God's word says, you'll not be afraid for that. You know, if you knew that, if you'd read the thing I had read, you'd say, well, I'm not going to get in the car 
until two o'clock. You know, I'm not going to venture out, because, but that would be fear, wouldn't it? He says, you're not going to be afraid of any of these things. You will not be afraid for all the terabyte and all these things. Why? Because you dwell in a place. There's a place in God that you can be impervious. A thousand will fall at your side. Ten thousand at your right hand. Verse 9, because you've made Yahweh which is my refuge, even the most high, your habitation, the place you inhabit. No evil will befall you, nor any plague come nigh your dwelling. Well, I got the flu last week, so it's no working for me. It works when you work it. You have to, see, you have to be completely determined that you will Stay in that place. You will dwell in that place. Like I said last week, it's not casual. There's a price to pay to walk in a realm that the Lord would have for us that will not only keep us free from harm in this very, very, very frightening world in the natural, but that will enable us and empower us and equip us to take territory for him. You want to take Scotland for Jesus? You have to be in this place. And it's a place of complete being sold out to the Lord. Amen? I'm not talking here about doing religious stuff. I'm not talking here about striving in the flesh. I'm not talking about any of that. I'm talking about being in that place. You know, somebody said this, and it's so true. The only thing that Jesus really commands us to do, the only activity that Jesus actually commands us to do is to abide isn't it? To be in that place of abiding, of dwelling. In other words, what you're saying is, I'm in this place or I'm going to be in that, but I'm not coming out. I'm not coming out to have a wee fear time. I will fear no evil means I, come, I purpose to fear no evil. You know, I don't think John Knox woke up and went, you know, I'm John Knox. I'm Knoxy. I'm the man. It's recorded to John Knox that everybody knew, including his pastor and everybody in this, they all knew he was called to preach and John Knox wouldn't answer the call. Famous for it. And they all tried to persuade him and he, because he knew it would take a commitment and a devotion and a consecration and he wanted to be sure that he would pay the price. But once he paid that price, that and he knew that price was no fear. Accessing what John Knox walked in to take Scotland for Jesus in our generation in 2023. That's our assignment. Well, that's our challenge. That's what I believe the Holy Spirit is saying to us today. I'm going to close real soon, which means in the next half hour. <laughs> I believe the Holy Spirit is saying to all of us today, again like last week, there's the price. The price is really just, will you abide? Will you dwell? Will you stay in the place that it will take for you to move out from to take a nation for Jesus, to take nations for Jesus? 
to take Glasgow, to take Tharsis Street, to take Renfrewshire, Cumbernauld. Will you move out of that place, but you have to, in, in other words, function from that place of dwelling and abiding? And if you do that, fear will not touch you. Now, some of us have experienced that, maybe just fleetingly or, or you know, as a glimpse. You've maybe been through things. I remember with, with David, when the gift of faith came upon me, fear couldn't touch me. But you see, there's a place in him that fear of anything won't touch us. But you have to pay the price. You're not going to get there by watching EastEnders and binge-watching you know, horror movies and reading Mildred Boone novels, David. <laughs> you, you understand what you feed yourself with. You feed yourself with faith or you feed yourself with fear. If you feed yourself with fear, you cannot be in that secret place. Because when the terror by night comes, the arrow that flies by day, the pestilence, the plague, all that stuff that's out there comes at you. If all you've fed yourself with is fear, then the fear will rise up and receive it. Fear is a receiver. Did you know that? Faith is a receiver, but so is fear. Job said, you know what? The thing I greatly feared, it came upon me. Why does more good stuff not come upon us? Because we don't believe for it or because we're in fear. And we're in Fear is simply believing for bad stuff. He that dwelleth in the secret place, herein is our love made perfect that will cast out all fear, that, can't, that fear cannot touch us when we know as he is, so am I in this world. You see, when you're conscious of that, when you're conscious as he is, so has he made me. As he is, so has he made me in this world as he is in the heavenly realm. Well, if I'm like him, how can, fear, how, how can I be afraid? If, if, you, if you were like Jesus right now, how could you be afraid of anything? Was Jesus ever afraid of anything? The only thing Jesus feared was God. Because it says that's how he got his prayers answered, because he feared. He feared his father. He had the right fear. Well, I've got news for you today. And we'll close with this. You're already as he is. It's not, oh, well, if I, you know, if I read 10 chapters a day and I become a, if I become a better Christian, I'll be, no, no. That's the lie of religion. You're already as he is. You're just not walking in the fullness of consciousness of it. So start saying, as he is, as Jesus is, as Yahweh, so am I in this world. As he is, so am I. He's made me that way. Now, I'm not saying, oh, well, you know, or that means you're without sin. And I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, is that he's already made you as he is. That was the whole point of being born again. It's just that your mind and body have to catch up with it. Amen? 
Let me just say this. If you didn't get a perfect Jesus and a perfect Holy Spirit when you got born again, you need to get reborn again. Because who came to live within you? The perfect one. And you're one spirit with him. So all of this is spiritual reality. So we need to speak spiritual reality for it to manifest in this physical realm. See, John Knox, I don't believe John Knox was walking around going, oh, you know, it'd be great to have Scotland. I believe John Knox was walking around with Scotland. He was pregnant with it. Amen? What happens when a woman gets pregnant? Something's going to happen. Amen? There's going to be a baby. But the baby isn't, isn't going to come down off a cloud. The baby's already there, just not yet manifest. But peeking through. Amen? And if you and I want to take Scotland for Jesus, we have to say in our hearts, thank you, Lord. We receive Scotland for Jesus. And we need to be pregnant with it until that point of manifestation. The Lord bless you, folks.